0: that uh, that Pastor Wade Haskins has taken the time to be with us this weekend. He pastors in Bel Air, Maryland, which is a suburb of Baltimore. They have four campuses. They launched about 12 years ago, doing an amazing, amazing job. And I need you to bring your energy today, and I'm going to tell you why. He preached Friday night. He did two sessions yesterday. Then he drove back to Bel Air last night because they had a big concert at their church with belonging and company. He said the traffic was bad. It took him four and a half hours to get home. Had a concert last night, and then he got up and he drove three hours this morning to come to church, he and his parents, and he preached at nine o'clock. So turn to your neighbor and say, ain't nobody tireder than Pastor Wade. (laughs) Amen. I appreciate a man of God giving us, and I'm going to tell you, nine o'clock was amazing. Amen. So I'm so glad you're here today. Now, I I was teasing him. You know, he's from Texas, so I guess that's the South. But he's in Maryland. And in Virginia, we consider Maryland the North, right? So so let's give him a good, warm Virginia Southern welcome to Life Church. It's his first time with us. Amen. Amen.
1: get something straight Maryland is south of the Mason Dixon Can I get a holler, at your boy or something I need I need some I need some kind of love up in this house Goodness I figured out they actually served country style donuts yesterday I didn't even know that was a thing Man, it is a blessing to be here. Can we just give it up for the men in the house? Thank you guys. Thank you guys for digging in this weekend. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's gonna be some happy wives, happy lives. Because if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. And these men leaned in this weekend, and I just know they're working on their life. They're working on themselves. How many are grateful that there's men that just know how to lean in toward the Lord? Come on, somebody. And yes, I have driven forever the last 24 hours, and I would say this, that a church alive is worth the drive. You know what I'm saying? A church alive is worth the drive. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to be at life church. This is a life-giving church. This is a healthy church. There's something special about this place. I like to say that about Freedom Church back in Baltimore, but I can say that about right here, right now, you are in a good place. And I'm, are you ready to dive into the Word? It's so good to be with Pastor. How many, are, how many love your Pastor? Amen. Him and his wife are amazing people. Um, I've, I've been acquainted, loosely acquainted with them for a, a, a while, but it, it, in the last few years, he and I have been able to intersect and cross paths. And, and um, I don't, I don't always say yes to preaching out because I just love home. I love preaching at Freedom Church, and I love to be with our church, but. Man, this weekend I just kind of felt in my heart and my spirit that this is the place where I needed to be. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the trust. Um, you guys are building, with the help of God. Man, Life Church, you're building a kingdom. You're building a kingdom lighthouse here. You're, you're, there's something special. You don't get this everywhere, so don't take it for granted. And I and I give props to the staff and to the leadership of this church. One more time. Come on, let's love on them. I'm so thankful. And it's good to have my parents with me. This is a, you know, normally they're at home just giving me the what for, but today they're with me. And what's, uh, here's a little fun fact. Um, so my dad, so we're from Texas. My dad uh, moved to Richmond the last three years of his career. He, he was in the elevator industry. And um, he lived in Tappahannock, just right down the road. And he worked in Richmond. And for three years, y'all, he drove. Three hours, one way, to come to Freedom Church every Sunday. And I'm like, there was a church right here, and we didn't even know it. So you, you don't know what you don't know. But I'm grateful for committed parents that believe a church alive is worth a drive. Okay. All right, let's go. First Samuel chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. And we do this back at home. It's kind of just old school. But if we could stand for the reading of the Word. I love honoring the Word of God. 1 uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. It says this, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. and He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. This boy was from Virginia. It's a Virginia boy. Southern boy, southern donuts, country-style donut eating. David. (laughs) He said, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Hello. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from this claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this giant Let's jump over to Acts chapter 13, verse 22. At this point, God has now removed King Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found. Everybody say found. found. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do. Everybody say will do. He will do everything I want him to do. Today, Life Church, I want to talk to us about having a God focus, a God focus. What if for the rest half of this year, the, the, the next few months that we have, that we shift all of our focus to our creator, a God focus. Come on. I have a God focus. So, Father, in Jesus' name, speak now, build our faith, lift our eyes, encourage our hearts, and I thank you for every giant that falls. In Jesus' name, today, let the Pittsburgh squealers fall to the ravens. Help our ravens. In Jesus' name. I feel the Lord right here. keyboard friend is taking us to church. I love it. All right, come on. Let's give it up one more time. Hey, let's give it up for the worship team today. Come on, everybody. What an awesome job. All right, turn to your neighbor real quick before your seat and say, I have a God focus. I have a God focus. Yes. So Acts chapter 13, verse 22 is a very special scripture. It's special because I think it says so much about who God is. I also think that it confirms so much more about our relationship to God and how He he interacts with humanity. God says, I have found David. I have found. I have found. And this is really good news because it lets me know that God knows where I am. That when I'm lost, or at least feel lost, God isn't. That when I cannot find God, God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows that I'm in Virginia at this very moment. God knows my address. He knows where you are. God has never lost one of his sheep. He knows where you are. It's good news because God says, I have found. This means that God is in constant pursuit of his people. That before you became a God chaser, you need to know that God was a man chaser. And that God is looking for you. He's not looking to catch you, to harm you, to catch you in your wrongdoing. But rather he's pursuing you to bless you and to help you and to strengthen you and move you, and to move you forward in life. He says, I have found David. David wasn't looking for God. God was looking for David in church. God will always find what he's looking for. This is good news because he said, I have found David. He calls David by name, which lets me know that God knows my name. God knows me intimately, God knows me deeply, and God loves me greatly. God knows everything about me, and yet He still loves me. God is not intimidated by the deep issues of my heart. God is not intimidated by my secrets. God is not messed up by my struggles and my sin. God knows me, God loves me, and God calls me by name. God will never look at you and say, hey, what was your name again? God will never look at you and say, hey, you. He will always call you by name because he loves you greatly and he loves you deeply. God says, I have found David. This scripture came alive to me a few weeks ago. He said, I have found David, son of Jesse. Now, this is really... Good news because if any of you come from a family background that's a little bit shady, this is awesome news. Because it lets me know that God not only knows me, but he knows my dad. He knows my mom. He knows my grandpa. He knows my grandmother. He knows my Uncle Leonard and my Aunt Mertody. And I'm from East Texas, and I'm not making these names up. (laughs) He knows the trouble of my great-grandfather. He knows every generational curse. He knows every generational struggle. He knows every addiction. He knows my proclivity. He knows my bent. He knows my secret. He knows my struggle. He knows every skeleton and every closet of every person that shares my last name. And he loves me anyway. And he's called me anyways. He doesn't look at me and say, I want to use you, but I can't because of your family. No, God says, I supersede your family tree because of Calvary's tree. I know who your earthly father is, but I'm your heavenly father, and I've called you, I've saved you, and my word over you trumps any word that's ever been spoken over you. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? But P-Dub, that's what they called me, by the way, back in Maryland. P-Dub, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the history. No. You have a call from God on your life, and that's all you need. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. God is all about a heart. God is a heart God. God doesn't call you because of your intellect. He doesn't call you because of your talent or your skill or your anointing. God doesn't call you because you know how to pray the right way or because you know how to sing the right note or you've got the market on theology. God does not call us according to the color of our skin or how much money is in our bank account or our pedigree or who you know or who you don't know. God is looking for heart. God says, I'm looking for anyone with a heart that's after me. It's said like this in 1 Samuel 16. That man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. God is a heart God. He said, if you'll lean my direction just an inch. Come on, I'll move heaven and earth to get to your life and to bless your life and make a difference in your life. You just have to be willing. Isaiah chapter 1 says this, that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. And I would submit to you that if you're willing, you will be obedient. But without willingness, there will be no obedience. You have to have a willing heart toward God. And if you do that, God will do something amazing with your life. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after God my own heart. When I read the first part of the scripture, my heart leapt because I'm so grateful for what God's done in the past. How many are grateful for the mercy and the grace of God in your life? Like without the grace and mercy of God in our life, where would we be? Thank God for the grace and mercy of Jesus. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my heart. Now this is past, and I thank God for it, but I'm grateful that he also has a plan for my future. The text says This is what God says about David. And he will do everything I want him to do. See, when God saves me, he also calls me. When God saved me, he also destined me. When God erased my past, church, he was also writing my future. And most of the time when he does this, he does it at the same time. With one, with one hand, he's got an eraser and he's erasing. He's taking out all the things that I'm very shameful of. But with the other hand, he's writing my future and he's preparing something amazing for my life. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you're not just saved, but you're saved and called. And I've come to tell Life Church today, you're not just saved, but you're saved. And called. There's no age limits to the calling of God. There are no term limits to the call of God. The call of God is still on your life, and no matter your history and no matter where you've been or what you've done, you can't, you will do everything that God has called you to do. But life, it's all about choices, isn't it? We choose God's way or we choose our way. I wish it wasn't so direct. But we choose God's way or we choose the world's way. We choose the Jesus way or we choose the way of the flesh. God said this in Deuteronomy. He said, today I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then God kind of gives us a little hint on life. He said, if I were you, I I would choose life because it's going to bless you. I I would choose life and blessing because it's going to be a a blessing and it's going to be life giving to your children. Because life is all about choices. We can see how one man, just one person can bring so much destruction to a family or even to a region or a city. Right now we can, we can see how one group of people is, is making a devastation right now in Israel. We can see how one person in a marriage can just give up on their family, give up on their spouse and walk away. Just one person can bring so much pain and so much destruction. One person can give themselves over to violence or give themselves over to darkness and give themselves over to to the flesh. Just one person can go the way of darkness and make so much difference in the world. And it got me thinking that if one person can go about and bring so much damage, what could the people of God do? What could we do to bring hope and, and light and joy and restoration and healing to a region or a city? One person can go crazy and terrorize a region, What could the people of God do with their influence as God backs them and carries them and gives them strength to make a difference in our culture? Come on, life is about choices. One preacher said it like this, that that life is about 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to what happens to you. When David woke up that morning, he had no idea that he was going to fight Goliath. Oh, Jesse, his father had to shake that teenager out of bed. Anybody had to shake your teenager out of bed this morning? Come on, kid, I need to get a holler at your boy on that one. You know what I'm saying? Some of you were that teenager, right? You know what I'm talking about. Had to shake that teenager out of bed. He said, boy, I need you to get up and I need you to take this cheese and this bread to your brothers. And David gets the bread and cheese and he begins to walk to the battlefield. Not to fight, but simply to do the task. That his father gave them. On that day, church, he did not choose his Goliath. He did not choose what was about to happen to him. He did not choose his fight, but he was going to have to choose to fight. And here's what I've come to know. You don't choose your giants. Usually your giants choose you. Can I say that again for the people in the back? You, you don't choose your giants. Usually your Goliath choose you. You didn't know you were going to walk into that fight. You didn't know you were going to walk into that storm. You didn't know you were going to walk in that relational conflict. You didn't know you were going to have to deal with this unexpected sickness. You didn't choose it. God didn't send it. But here we are. What do we do? Can I I encourage you with this? Please don't die as a victim to your circumstance because you're angry with your fight. Can I say it this way? Don't live the rest of your life shaking your fist at heaven, mad at your giant. Because God will always be bigger than your giant. Come on, somebody. Giants come, giants fall, giants rise. And the giant that seems too big to lose in reality is too big to miss. Are you with me, somebody? Let me, let me, am I preaching okay? pastor's going to correct everything I mess up this weekend. Let, let me define a giant. Let me give you a giant. a giant. A giant is the thing that the enemy has assigned to distract you, to discourage you, to deter you from inheriting everything that God has for you. A giant is that thing that has been assigned by the enemy to distract you. So Joshua, I preach about Joshua a lot. There is this promised land in front of you, Joshua. There is this place of promise that God has for you. But then there are these giants that rise up to distract you and to discourage you from taking your promised land. 1 Corinthians 69, Paul said, There is an open door of opportunity and there is this great opposition. And it happens at the same time. Open door. Opposition. Am I talking to anybody? How many of you have ever felt like you had an open door, but all of a sudden, man, it was opposition, yeah. right? And you would think that an open door means no more opposition. But in reality, the, the opposition is the proof. The opposition that you see with your eyes is proof of the open door that you see with your spirit. Come on, some of you are already like, man, the, the, the last few months of this year are going to be the best year It's going to be the best part of the year. I I just feel like, man, God is taking me on a path. I, I, I feel like, God, man, I'm fired up from men's event. I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go take hell with a water pistol. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, you walk out of the church house, and you're faced with opposition. And you have to know that the opposition and the giant is assigned by the enemy, not by God, and not even by you. Are you with me? 1 Samuel 17 says this, for 40 days and 40 nights. Everybody say 40 days days. and 40 nights. 40 days, 40 nights. 40 days, this giant would walk out. Goliath would walk out onto the battlefield. 40 days, 40 nights. 40 days, 40 nights. And I just want to give the church a little heads up here. Your enemy is consistent. Not only is he consistent, he's disciplined. Goliath never slept in. Every morning, every night, every morning. And this is why as pastors we will never feel guilty and we never feel legalistic about telling the church to get into the word. Get a prayer life. Develop a quiet time with God. Church, you need a quiet time because it's your quiet time that's going to quiet the mouth of the enemy. Are you with me? If you don't get quiet with God, that enemy's going to talk to you. That giant is going to talk to you because your giant is consistent. Your giant is disciplined. And here's what he's doing in verse 23. He went out every morning and every night to the battle line and began to speak his usual taunts. The word taunt means to threaten. Church, he had a script. He brought his iPad out to the battle line. And some of you are like, OMG, I know what's been happening in my life for the last decade. Man, the enemy has had a script in my mind. He's had a script in my heart. He has been telling me these things. Goliath had a tailor-made word to strike fear in the heart of Israel. He knew exactly what he needed to say to scare them out of their mind. He knew exactly what he needed to say to make sure that they never stepped foot into battle because he had a tailor-made word. Here's another tip about your giant that you may not know. He's a talker. Turn your neighbor and say, he's a talker. Your enemy is a talker. Your enemy would love to never even have to use his sword. Your enemy would love to never ever have to use his javelin or the shield or his armor. He would just literally love to talk you out of your victory. Because the battlefield church is in the mind. It's in the mind. Most of our fights are right here. And they're broken up by what we say. The Bible says you have dominion, you have power over what you can speak. If you can't speak it, you can't have freedom over it. The enemy talks in church, we better learn how to talk back. Because if you don't talk back, he's gonna keep talking. He's going to keep filling your mind, and you're going, to have, you're going to be defeated before you can ever do anything about it. And if the enemy has a tailor-made word to stop you from your promise, you have to know that your heavenly father has a tailor-made word to get you in to your promise. Here, here's the thing. Goliath wasn't just looking at them. He was talking to them. It wasn't necessarily that he was nine feet tall that was scaring them out of their mind. It was his voice that brought them to paralyzation and fear. And the enemy is talking, and he's got a tailor-made word. And for some, he's saying, man, you could never do that. You will never make it. You will always be this way. You'll never break out of this pattern. It's always going to be this way. God's upset with you. You've made too many mistakes or you're too old or you're too young. Whatever it is, the enemy knows that he can stop you from taking the next step and running into the battle to see your victory by just simply talking to you. That's why, church, we need a God focus. We don't need a giant focus. We need a God focus. We need a Jesus focus. Can I get a good amen somebody? All right, let me break this down for you real quick, and I'll I'll close, I promise. Here are a few things you need to know when giants rise up in your life. Number one, you need to know that God sees and God cares. Come on, let's, let's write some stuff down. God sees you, and he cares for you. It's not until verse 26 of this chapter that we finally see God in this story. For the first 26 verses, Goliath is talking about Israel. Israel's talking about Goliath. And there's no one talking about God. Have you ever met that Christian? Everything's just so terrible. Just always talking about how bad it is. You know what I'm saying? Those Democrats, those Republicans, you know, I I just can't believe these kids, these kids, this generation, oh my God, they're just despicable. I honestly feel like this is the greatest day that we could ever live to see a generation become salt and light of the earth. Come on. Rather than seeing a problem, church, let's see it as an opportunity. Come on. Just always talking, never getting to the fruit of the problem. Always just magnifying the root of the problem. We got to get back to God. We have we need a God focus. A few weeks ago, we were having a prayer gathering, and you know, we 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 just kind of invited people. Hey, if you want healing, man, come on up. Come on up. Let's pray. And, and a few found me, and they came up and said, would you pray for us? And I, I couldn't help but capture in on some of the language that was coming up for prayer. It was things like, man, my family, they're just struggling. They're in trouble, and they're, they're causing me some problems. Or, or my diabetes, my, my, my diabetes is not doing well. Or my cancer is back. And I'm like, hold just a second. At what point did, did, you, did you think this is yours? Because Jesus puts this on his back on the cross. And if we're not careful, we hold on to things like, hey, this is my giant. This is my Goliath. And what we do is we begin to form our identity around our giant. And David shuffles up on the scene. He's like, stop. This is spiritual. He's defying the living God. This is a God issue. This is not a flesh issue. This is a spiritual issue. This is not a natural issue. And I would say today that if it's spiritual to God, it's personal. Are you tracking with me? Do you remember uh, New Testament Saul? Jesus shows up to New Testament Saul in Acts 9. And he says, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like, why are you messing with me? I'm tired of you messing with me. And Saul responds, I don't even know who you are. And God says, no, I'm Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. You see, Saul never touched Jesus physically. But the moment you touched the body of Christ, you touched the head of Christ. Are you tracking? Jesus said, the moment you started persecuting my people, I took it personally. You see, Goliath's biggest mistake is that he touched Israel. Because the moment he touched Israel, he touched God. Church, that's why we need a God focus. That what if we change? What if for the last few months of this year we shifted our focus to everything spiritual? David knew God, and because he knew God, he knew God cared and he knew God saw him. And I would say this today: whatever you're walking through, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Are you with me? That's a God focus. Here's the second thing. I, I, I must, I must, I must go. My life is moving in the direction of my focus. So David, David hustles up to the battle line. He's like, put, put me in coach. Like I'm ready. I've got some stones. I've got a new sling. I've got my leather pouch that my mother made me for Christmas. And here's what Saul in the army said back to him in verse 25. They go, Dave, have you seen him? He big, you small. You see, because for 40 days and 40 nights, there is Goliath just being the giant that he was. There's King Saul living under the shadow of his giant. And let me tell you what, for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath got bigger, Saul got smaller, Goliath got stronger, Israel got weaker, because your life is moving in the direction of your focus. Whatever you focus on is getting bigger. That's why David says, come magnify the Lord with me. You see, when you magnify the Lord, God doesn't get bigger. He just gets bigger to you. When you magnify something, it doesn't actually get bigger. It just gets bigger to you. And when you start worshiping God, it's not that the problem gets smaller or God gets bigger. It's just our perspective changes. That you finally see God for who he is. And you see your giant for what it is. Yeah. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Saul is living under the shadow of his giant. But for 40 days and 40 nights, little David's been on the backside of the mountain with his tailor guitar singing worship to God. So I want to say it this way. You will, either, you will either live under the shadow of your giant or you're going to live under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. Psalms 91 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. It wasn't that David was bigger than Goliath. It was just Goliath was not bigger than his God. You will face things. I will face things. We will face things that are bigger than us. They're just not bigger than God. They're above my pay scale, but they're not above God's pay scale. They might be intimidating to me, but they're not intimidating to God. So David kept his focus. David kept his eyes on God. Have you ever been in a public place, let's say a mall, shopping area, and all of a sudden you see, one, see someone across the way, and they're like waving. And they're like, hey, how you doing? And you like wave back, and they start walking toward you only to walk around you because they're waving at somebody <laughs> beyond you, and then you act like you never did anything. Come on, am I, am I the only one that does? This happens to me all the time. Well, they must be at Freedom Church. Hey, they're not looking at me at all. And I can imagine David running up to that battle line saying, oh, my goodness, he's huge. And Goliath is like, well, thank you very much. Wow, what a warrior. And Goliath's like, well, I've been a man of war since my youth. He's awesome. Well, thank you so. And and all of a sudden, David says, oh, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry, Goliath. I actually wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God because there is a shadow. That's cast over both of us. And it's the shadow of the almighty God. Come on. Can we give God some praise today? Mm. Here's my third point. The band can come. A God focus... Brings God opportunities. Church, when we focus on God, don't be surprised when God opportunities come your way. I love David in this story because I think he speaks to a part in all of us that we don't want to admit. I really do believe that this is possible. Because we say, oh, Peter, we, we, I love the Lord. I praise God. We're, I'm just so thankful that I'm saved. and I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. We speak all the, the churchy stuff, the Christian-y stuff. Like if the Lord never does another thing, I'm just going to praise him anyways. And all that's good. That's a great attitude. But I think there's something. In, there's a verse 26 in all of us. Here's what verse 26 says. David says, so, hey, pastor, what what do I get if I kill this giant? David, like, it's a bit selfish. Like, what's the man get who, who kills this thing? What's the reward? What do I get out of it? And I know we're not supposed to talk like this in church. But if we're honest, I think there's a verse 26 in all of us. And here's what I find. I don't find God rebuking David for it. God wasn't like, David, you need to shut up, get in line, be humble, humble yourself, and just do what I tell you to do. No, David says, "So what do I get? And God says, well, there's blessing. There's blessing financially. There's a blessing relationally. David, there's going to be a blessing on your family. And some of us today, we might be thinking, well, what, what do I get if I'm faithful? What do I get if I run toward my giant rather than away from the giant? What what do I get if I make sure my family's in church on the weekend? What, what do I get if I make spiritual life and church life a priority in my life? What do I get if I tithe? What do I get if I give? What do I get if I serve God? Well, the battle might hurt a little bit, it might be a little inconvenient. It might get a a little bit uncomfortable, but if David was here preaching, he would tell you, oh, it's so worth it. The season in front of you, it won't be easy. It's quite possible that some of us, we've never been there before. You've never lived this way before. Like, there is a stretching that's happening in the supernatural that God is taking you and molding you and making you, and you've never done that before. It's going to be challenging church you've got to decide if you want to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret because David you might run toward Goliath and it might feel so intimidating but David I'd rather give it a shot than run back to the fields grabbing my guitar and wondering what could have happened if I believed God are you with me somebody so let's all stand everybody what's the reward Hebrews 11:6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Does God give me a perfect life? No. Does he give me victory? Yes. Provision? Yes. Peace? Yes. Power? Yes. Perfection? No. Always comfortable? Not always. Always convenient? Not always. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not casually seek him. Church, here's my, ch- here's my challenge. I just kind of want to lead us up today. Just lead us up just a little bit. What if for the rest part of this year that we're a little bit less casual and a little bit more diligent? What, what, what if we put it into the next gear? God saying, hey, I'm going to reward you for it. David says, this reward is so worth it. The the reward for a life of faith is so worth it. Any seasoned saint knows it's worth it. Anybody been around God long enough will know that it's worth it. I've never met a Christian at the end end of their life on their deathbed that went, what a waste of time. Every, every believer that has walked with God their whole life, they all have the same testimony. It's a Second Timothy testimony when Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return and the prize is not just for me but for all who have their focus on God, who are eagerly looking forward to His appearing. Come on, church. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. What if I stick out this marriage? I want to tell you it's worth it. What's the reward? Your family, generational blessing, the hand and favor of God on your life, church in Jesus name we're more than conquerors we're born to win we are battle born the giants of our life they're not death sentences it's an opportunity and I want to tell you today that the house of Jesse was forever changed in Mark because of David's obedience and I will say that your house will forever be blessed in Mark because of your obedience come on church let's get a focus on God so father we praise you we thank you we give you glory. We give you honor. God, we lean our heart towards you. We set our eyes to the heel from which come where our help comes from. God, we, we just worship you, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen.
0: Amen, amen. What a word. Amen. Here's what I want us to do before we close. The band's going to begin to play. The team's going to sing. I want to give you in a moment to step out from where you are. And you know what we need to do? Some of us, we need to step forward and say, God, I'm going to increase my focus. The rest of this year, you're going to be my focus, not my giant, not my obstacle, not the barrier that I've been up against. I'm going to close this strong amen and then for others of you you know what God's calling you to do he's calling you to be David and step out and say you know what Goliath I'm going to face you once and for all come on you can talk your talk but here I am and it's not just me but you're defying the God of Israel amen come on somebody step out with some boldness and let's lift our hands and let's ask God say Lord I'm going to make you my focus amen I'm ready I'm ready See it all over this house. Nothing else, nothing
2: else. Nothing else will do.
0: Because you stand with me. God, I stand because you stand beside me. I stand, Lord, not in the power of my own strength, but in the power of your might. In Jesus' name. Remember I said in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.